fantasy football today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Your friends don't play fantasy? LOL. What a bunch of nerds. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Eve. Fantasy football time on Tuesday, January 16th. What's up, everybody? What a game on Sunday. We're going to talk about some divisional winners and losers. Stefan Diggs, a winner. Latavius Murray, a loser. And we're going to go over some of the questions, off-season questions, for the teams that have been eliminated. And a lot of coaching news as well. Jamie and Dave, what's going on? Why is Latavius Murray a loser? Dave gave me a list of three losers. Jamie gave me three winners. Dave, why don't you answer that? What's the perspective based on? Or what's... What's the criteria? I think he's a loser because I don't think he could even be on the Vikings next year, much less be an asset in fantasy football next year. Why would he not be on the Vikings? Because they owe him yes, six years. I, I got it for you. Cut him. Absolutely. Yeah, they're going to cut him. He makes a lot of money. They can save five million bucks against the cap if they cut him. They've got Dalvin Cook coming back. Is they he can healthy? use that money to sign Jarek McKinnon. He's had under four yards per carry in four of his last five. He had 11 games last year. With 15 or more carries, he had 80 or more rush yards in four of those 11. A, a, a listener called me out on saying that he sucked, and the listener's right. I shouldn't say that he sucks, but he's somebody I don't want on my fantasy team. The listener sucks or Latavius sucks? No, 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 that, that I said that Latavius <laughs> yeah, know, sucks. So what, should, what if what if, what if Dalvin Cook's not ready by OTAs or by the time they have to make that decision? Then I would assume that they upgraded at running back with somebody else and that yeah. they spent the money better than than on a player better than Latavius Murray. I see him on the team next year and being the backup to Latavius and Jarek McKinnon going somewhere else where he could start or at least have a bigger role. Being the backup to Dalvin Cook. You bet. Um, yeah, so, all right, well, that's, I guess we're off to a, to a nice start. I like disagreement. Disagreement's fun. I think the thing that bothers me about the Vikings is like Latavius Murray does not warrant 20 carries a game. It's, right, he got him out of. He gets him every week. It's four weeks yep. in a row, I think. And yeah, well, he had 19 yeah. in this game, and it's like I understand what they're doing: ball control, clock control, win it with defense. Maybe they don't truly trust Case Keenum, but you got a guy who who doesn't who ne- almost never gets to four yards per carry, and part of that is goal line work. I get that, but still, it's like he doesn't give you any big plays really, and he gets 19, 20 carries a game. Come on, man, enough with that. And as for Jared McKinnon being a starter somewhere else, this Vikings coaching staff obviously doesn't believe it because they've had pretty much all year to give him a lot of work. That's why and they haven't go done it. Yeah, we've said that before about other running backs. Well, it and it hasn't money. worked out. But they, who's more expensive? I would assume Latavius is more expensive than Jared McKinnon. He he has been, but they could use the Latavius money to pay McKinnon if they wanted to keep McKinnon. But I don't know if they believe that McKinnon can be an every down backup to Dalvin Cook. Well, I think it's great that the none, salary cap's also going to go up next year. So neither of these guys are to both guys' decision making. These guys okay, are not so threats. It'll come down to getting just a better running back than a guy who's averaging whatever Latavius is averaging. Yeah, but they're not threats yeah. to Dalvin. But he Cook. does not suck. I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, I, I would. I would imagine it's going to be Cook and Murray, and then probably some late round rookie or undrafted rookie free agent. All right, well, we have plenty of time for that. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Planning to get to some emails today. So, how about that play? How about that catch? Or as I put in the notes, whoa, Nelly, Stefan Diggs. Oh, that's the catch you were referring to? That's the one. I think it's 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 more appropriately the tackle. Well, yeah. 
The play, the play, okay, the whole thing. What was he doing? Amazing. Dumb, dumb defense. Williams. I don't think the defense was dumb. The defense was horrendous. Why? Because they left nobody back behind anybody to help out. He's the no guy. He, he, he was, was that guy. There's no rotation. <laughs> running up. What? Look, look at, look at anything from an overhead view of that, that play. And I've they, they were stupid. There was no rotation, you said? There was no rotation to come help him. I don't think they wanted rotation. I think the safeties were supposed to play back and Williams saw it was a Diggs horrible, and then horrible play design. When the time comes to make the play, he just—it's like his aim was bad. He yeah, literally yeah, looks he like he's diving at a player who's standing next to Stephon. <laughs> he totally whiffed. Hey, look, if he makes that tackle, the game's over. Like, and that was an easy tackle to make, and he just dove. Well, he's trying to—he's trying else. to keep him in bounds. That's part of it, I guess. Yeah, but it, it shouldn't have been that. Yeah, it was, but it was fun. I mean, as a football fan. It was an incredible finish. The whole sequence, the whole fourth quarter, really, it was just the punt block. You know, everything. Was great. Saints was just, should have won that game. Though. Saints probably should have won that game. I think Jameis is a little upset because he thought the Saints were going to win. No, I, I mean, look, it's a, it's a great, great, absolutely great play that they won on, and you know, it's one for the, uh, you know, instant classics. But the Saints won that game. Oh, the Saints I was asked won today game, yeah. if I could name three other plays that were as good as that play. In the history ever? Of okay, can you? Well, Steve Smith's walk-off in double overtime in the playoffs against the Rams was pretty damn good. And no one's even talking about that. Maybe it was because the game was tied when it happened. But if even, you go I back and watch the play, that. I don't remember it's that. It's a 69-yard play. Delhomme finds him for half that yardage in the air. And then he just breaks free and scores first play of double overtime. The Jacoby Jones play is the one that comes to mind. The Jacoby Jones play is a great one. That wasn't like a game ender, but it was close enough to it. Um, oh, there was another one. I can't remember what it was. Well, I mean, the walk off in the Super Bowl, but it wasn't necessarily just a great play. It's just the comeback last year. Which one? Oh, the cut last year? Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There was no real play. That was kind of the, the beef with that game is there was no great play. Maybe the pick six, but it was this like, Exciting game that kind of stunk last year at the Super Bowl because I don't know there, w- there weren't a lot of memorable moments. You mean the comeback from twenty eight three stunk? Kind of. It wasn't a great game. It really there wasn't, wasn't a signature play. I don't know. That second that, half was pretty incredible. That, it wasn't uh, though. That defines it. Yes, it was. And watching Are them come back, of course. It was awesome. Uh, How about Malcolm yeah. Butler's interception? Yeah, in Super Bowl forty nine. That was a hell. Of that was one. great. I mean, can I can I say David Tyree? It really was amazing. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Okay, thank you. Nick would have said it like five minutes ago. <laughs> Greg, Greg Camarillo's catch against the Ravens? Uh, How about Antonio Freeman's catch against the Vikings on Monday Night Football? Yeah, ball rolled around his legs. But yeah. that was really, was incredible. I mean, running into the end zone, that was, that was really awesome. All right, so let's get to some winners and the, losers. The reaction of the players was just amazing. Everything. Did you see uh, Sean Payton doing the skull clap, the skull clap, whatever? Was he doing that? Oh, I, yeah, I, 100%. I've seen like frame by frame pictures of him doing the clap and and mocking the fans after they kicked the field goal to go up with 25 seconds left. Can't say I blame you, Sean Payton. Can't say I blame you. All right, so winners and losers. Stefan Diggs. Jay- so I got the winners from Jamie. He's got a column up with both winners and losers. Uh, you can read that on CBSSports.com. And I've got the losers from Dave. So Diggs is a winner. Now before that play. He and Thielen basically had the same numbers. Before that play, he had five catches for 76 yards, and Thielen had six catches for 74 yards. Both of them had nine targets. Of course, Diggs ends up with six catches, 137 yards, and a touchdown. 
uh, with that huge play at the end of the game. And now four straight games with a touchdown for Diggs. So what do, what did you mean by calling Diggs a winner in this context? Well, I mean, he's just closing the season strong. So he's uh, he's taken over the role again as the number one receiver for the Vikings. Do you think that's did it clear change his fantasy draft stock? No, it's just solidifying it. Where was it before, or where is it now? I, guess I mean, look, that. he's got a chance to climb. I think, depending on who the quarterback is next year, to be a potential top number one guy. A number one guy, huh? Well, I mean, he finished as a as a strong number two. Yeah, he did, despite missing two games. So and I mean, being horribly inconsistent. Well, he was consistent at the end of the season. He did back to back games with twelve fantasy points. Yeah, but it's it's sixty yards and a touchdown. You know, is it ever really clear who the number one receiver is with them? It hasn't been. But it doesn't mean that it can't be. Mm-hmm. And you would bet on Diggs. I think Diggs is more explosive than Thielen. Yeah, because yeah. they put him outside and they put Thielen in the slot this year. Mm-hmm. Vikings coaching staff would agree with that 110. percent And you watch him play, and obviously he's that way. Uh, so one of the losers that Dave gave is Brandon Cooks, and he had a pretty he quiet was? game. He's had a lot of quiet games. So who do you think you'd take first next year? Diggs, let's say they're both in the same situation. Diggs or Cooks? Who's the quarterback in Minnesota? Keenum. Then I will take Cooks. I will too. Really? And oh, Cooks, Cooks. Cooks is just, he's, he's had the same problem as Stefan Diggs this year. Very inconsistent. The one, actually, you know what? I may take Diggs with the, uh, expectation of Julian Edelman being back and everybody still being there. Mm. A lot of mouths to feed in that Patriots offense if everybody's healthy. It was, it, was, it was my argument against Cooks to start the season, to start the preseason. Yeah, he was just as inconsistent as Diggs. <clears throat> he still finished with more fantasy points than Diggs, but it's not by a whole lot. And he played 16 games and Diggs played 14. Right. It's true. Right. Yeah, and Cooks, like, he's three straight years as a top 12 wide receiver in standard scoring leagues. You know, 12 you got to start him every week. You can't ever think about, oh, I better get him out of my lineup because he's been bad for two or three games in a row. You, know, you have to look at him and say, what, him. What, what kind of upside does he have? Does he have top five upside? And I wonder, maybe he does. He never gets top five targets, though. You know, He had 117 last year. He had 114 this season. I don't know that that's going to change. You know, like what you said, Jamie Vettelman comes back, and even if he doesn't, is he is Cooks going to get 140 targets or something no, like that? Right? No. And, and I think the one thing that look, it's going to start to happen eventually, is that Brady's going to start to decline. Yeah. Well, you didn't read that article. It's already happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to the winners. So this is an interesting one. Leonard Fournette, 25 carries, 109 yards, and three touchdowns at Pittsburgh. And he had something – I tried to do the math, and I think I did it right, but I might have done it wrong. But I think at halftime he had 12 carries for 83 yards. So he hurt his ankle late in the in the first half. He came back. He played the second half. It wasn't nearly as effective. But that was almost a microcosm of Leonard Fournette's season. You know, it's pre-injury, post-injury, and it's also the appeal of Fournette and – what might make you a little nervous about Fournette, the guy is really injury-prone. He's very physical, and that, that could take a toll. Uh, but you had him as a winner, Jamie, and so, you know, give me that. Give me your thoughts there. Well, I, I think, you know, we had this, excuse me, this conversation about, you know, our, our projected first rounds for next year. And I don't know, I don't remember Heath. I know Dave had him in his first round. I had him in my first round. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think when you see games like this, that just kind of solidifies how good he can be and what the ceiling is for him. Now, granted, his two best games have come against Pittsburgh. 
you can, you know, make the argument one was with a healthy Ryan Shazier and one was without. But you can make the argument, you know, maybe he just gets up for that matchup. Um, I, I just think that you see what he is <clears throat> as an unfinished product, and he won't be a finished product next season, but the offensive line will be better. I can't imagine that they're going to go through the offseason without addressing that position. And we'll see what they do at the quarterback spot. But he's got just, you know, so much upside. Um, th- there is downside, but I, I think you look at what his, uh, his, his ceiling could be and, and, and you're able to see it in games like this when he has, his offensive line played really well against Pittsburgh and, and he, you know, took advantage of that with some, you know, playmaking ability that you don't see a lot from guys his size. You know, it's why I think we get sort of fascinated by Derrick Henry too. It's, it's, it's the thing that these guys can do that are, you know, freaks of nature because of how physically gifted they are and, and when they show it to you, it's nice, and plus he's you know he's he's been involved in the passing game down the stretch too. You know, only like two catches, um, and and T.J. Yeldon kind of stole that role. But uh, if he can get better in that regard and you know go from a 32 catch guy, I think is what he was, um, to a 45 to 50 catch guy, you know that'll certainly help his value also. 36. Do you have to draft his handcuff if you draft him in the first round? See, one of those guys where you're just going to feel a lot better about things. I think if there's a clear-cut guy, because we really have that this year. You know, we had uh, sometimes it was Chris Ivory, sometimes it was T.J. Eldon. But it would make me feel better if there were one, because he he does seem like one of the most likely players that would go in the first round to get injured. To me, you guys agree, disagree? I think, it. you know, if their season ends this week, which I'm sure a lot of people are counting on it happening, then you don't have to worry about, you know, any more additional wear and tear. Um, And look, he had, like you said, he left the game with ankle injury. He got in a minor car accident. Uh, we're recording this on, on Tuesday. He got in a minor car accident. Um, everything's expected to be fine. So if he comes into, you know, OTAs, training camp, no issues, I, I think you should feel comfortable drafting this first round pick. He has 314 carries. Did you say that? Nope. 314 carries through 15 games. That includes the postseason. Tack on another 41 catches. So he, he will scare off some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's so good. And then I asked Nick last week, who would you rather have in standard scoring next year? It's easy in PPR, but in standard scoring, Fournette or Kamara? And I'll ask you guys. I think you guys answered Kamara last week. but I think I answered Fournette. You did? Okay, I'm sorry. Maybe if I answered Kamara, I probably I, should have said Fournette. No, I don't remember, Dave. I You could easily have well, said Well, I think, you know, I mean, I can pull the story. You have Fournette ranked really high. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you like Fournette. And, but, but Fournette actually averaged more fantasy points per game than Kamara this year in standard scoring. He really wasn't that far behind in PPR either. Uh, and he averaged 1.5 more points per game than Kamara in standard. And that's a big deal. That's actually that's, that's a lot of points. So I was kind of surprised by that. Um, he was the number four running back in weekly scoring, Leonard Fournette, in both standard and PPR. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is an interesting debate. It, like I, There's no doubt in my mind I would take Fournette uh, if you could tell me they were going to play the same amount of games. But a guy with injury history in college, injury history in the NFL, le- got hurt last week, you know, it scares me a little bit. I tr- I'm trying to be less worried about injuries, but that is a guy I'm circling as No, it's, it's, it's certainly a fair point because there's a track record. Yeah. All right, another loser, same team, Jacksonville wide receivers. Dave, this is a loser from you. Now, last week against the Chiefs, D.D. Westbrook was the only Jacksonville wide receiver with more than one target and the only wide receiver with a catch. This past week on on uh, Saturday, when was that game? That was Sunday. 
That was Sunday. Sunday against the uh, Steelers, Marquise Lee was the only Jacksonville wide receiver with more than three targets. None of them had good Only games. one with more than one catch, too. Uh, that's true. So, Jacksonville wide receivers, they're all losers, Dave. I don't know how you can feel good about drafting them, assuming they're all still on Jacksonville next year. Allen Robinson's a free agent. Marquise Lee's a free agent. Allen Hearns could be a cap casualty. So there are a lot of changes that could go down with this receiving core. And obviously, it depends on Bortles. If Bortles is still the quarterback there next year, I think it hurts him. Oh, yeah. If Bortles is gone and it's Alex Smith or Eli Manning or you know, a rookie quarterback, Jacksonville makes a big trade to move up. That's a different story. But for now, I don't feel good about having those guys on my fantasy team. No. I mean, Bortles threw 21 touchdowns this season. That's really low. There, There is no way that they're bringing back all three of Allen Robinson, Marquise Lee, and Allen Hurts. There's no chance. Okay, but let's say they bring back two of them. Are you going to feel good about anybody? Um... If well, I'll feel good about Robinson. Yeah, because I, I've seen something from before. I'll feel good about Lee because I've seen something from before. But when you say you feel good about him, where are you drafting them? Oh, they're all late except for maybe Robinson, just because of his pedigree. I, I think you look at uh, if Robinson walks, and it's Lee Westbrook. I'm, I, I'm almost certain they're going to cut Allen Hearns. His contract is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous from the get go. Yep. Um, and they have young guys that can easily do what he does, if not do it better. So my guess would be, uh, it could, it could conceivably be both Robinson and Lee are gone and Hearns. And they oh. go, and they go Westbrook Cole and, and bring somebody else in. Okay. Well, stay tuned. I, I would like a new quarterback there. That would help. But a young receiver that's a winner right now is Corey Davis. Five catches, 63 yards, and two touchdowns on eight targets at New England. Oh, boy. So, you know, I obviously did not have faith in Marcus Mariota coming through for just from a DFS standpoint. And I also didn't have faith in James White. That was when I thought that uh Rex Burkhead was going to play. So, uh, Dave, I hope you stuck with James White in your DFS lineups. Of course I did not. <laughs> Oops. Hello, Mar- Mario- Mariota gave you good fantasy production. He was terrible in that game. Uh, yeah, and he gave you not, he gave you 25 fantasy points. Nine of them came on the final drive. And Corey Davis benefited from that, but Davis had, had both of the touchdown catches. And he finally did something. I mean, this guy had 375 yards and no touchdowns in 11 games in the regular season. This was by far his best game. It was the first time he scored. So, I, you know, the, he really hasn't done anything to inspire us other than be drafted in the top 10 in, in the NFL draft. Uh, but what do you think, Jamie? You have him as a winner. Well, I mean, look, he, like you said, he finally did something. So he he's going to improve his stock, I think, on a couple different levels. Um, first off, he showed you that he can make some plays. <laughs> um, secondly, I think the coaching change is only going to help players like him, players like Mariota, players like Derrick Henry, because there will hopefully be some imagination in that offense and some diversity. So I, I would anticipate you know, him being healthy is, is going to be a big part of it. He started the year with an injury situation. He dealt with the hamstring problem during the season. So who knows exactly when he finally felt comfortable for a team that, you know, didn't maybe have a healthy quarterback because Mariota, you know, there were reports of him playing with an injured shoulder after coming back from the hamstring problem that he missed, you know, game. So I, I just think that he's probably going to get overdrafted a little bit based on this type of game. Uh, and, and like you said, the, the fact that he was drafted in the top 10 in the NFL draft, but I think if he's, 
taken in the right spot, if his ADP settles in a good situation, he could be a, a, a number three receiver on draft day that could end up being a starter for you because he's his, he is their best guy. I mean, you know, Rashard Matthews has proven to be good, but he's also an inconsistent player. Delaney Walker's getting older. Eric Decker's getting older. Those guys aren't going to be the type of playmakers that Corey Davis could be. So the the potential, you got a glimpse of it finally for the first time this season. If he didn't have that game, he would have been Devontae Parker-esque. You know, somebody that you're just, okay, drafted high potential, but we just don't know what to expect from him. And we're going to draft him based on hope, and who knows if he ever delivers. I wonder how much stock people put into the postseason. I wonder if they forget about it uh, when when draft season comes around and they're just looking at regular season numbers. We'll see. Well, look, if he if he did that in Week 17 compared to the the playoff game, it's a yeah. different story. You, you remember it more this way as opposed to, oh, we had a good game to close out the season. Right, that's true. Uh, who would you guys, if you were drafting right now, would you rather draft Corey Davis or Juju Smith-Schuster? That's an interesting question. I'd like to know who uh, who the coach is going to be in Pittsburgh before I – or not Pittsburgh. Well, <laughs> maybe in Pittsburgh. They're, They're talking about playing Todd Haley go. I was talking about Tennessee and who the coach is going to be for the Titans and what that offense will look like. But I think if Corey Davis goes out and has a good camp and there's a lot of buzz about him, you're probably going to see him drafted ahead of Juju. See, I'd, I'd be surprised if that's the case just because you've seen Juju make plays and some big, pretty big ones you know, during the season. The, the thing that makes me a little bit nervous about Juju is what we just saw this past weekend, that Roethlisberger throws for over 400 yards. He throws five touchdowns. One of them went to Juju. But targets he was tied for third or fourth on the team i think it was fourth maybe um and they're bringing everybody back you know martavis will be back he's got a cheap one-year you know situation left on his contract uh obviously levy on bell I, I don't expect him to go um no retirement i don't expect him to retire <laughs> um and so you saw you know his his, his big stretch for juju came when Antonio Brown was hurt. It was week 15 against the Patriots. He had the, you know, big catch to put him over 100 yards in the fourth quarter to get them down to the controversial play. And then he had the, the two touchdowns, the subsequent games, the last one being without Roethlisberger in week 17 against Cleveland. So, um, I, I think people will be a little bit more enamored with Juju because of, of what you've seen, but Corey Davis might end up being the better player. He didn't have a single game with double digit fantasy points with Antonio Brown also getting double digits in fantasy points. It was always one or the other, except for um, interesting. Week two. Neither of them did it. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, and for Juju, it was uh, three catches for five yards and a touchdown on five targets. Three players. And it was the, the last play of the game, which was meaningless. Yeah. Who was he covered by for most of the game? I wasn't watching close enough. I think Ramsey was on Antonio Brown most of the game. Well, yeah, he yeah. So, all right. Anyway, anyway, let's move on and talk about our last loser. We already actually have talked about Latavius Murray. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything else to say here, right? We're good. Moving on. Good. You to don't want to talk about Delaney Walker? No, nah, I'm good okay. with it. I'm good with it. We got plenty of time left on the show. We can talk about the Titans as they have. Uh, I wouldn't say fired Mike Malarkey, but they will not be bringing Mike Malarkey back. The two have parted ways. Before we get to all of that, all the news and notes, it is a new year. It is a new chance to tell you about SeatGeek. We love SeatGeek. They've really been a great sponsor, so I want to thank SeatGeek for continuing to support our show and for continuing to give you $20 off tickets to a game, a concert, comedy, theater, wherever you want to go. Use the promo code FFT. 
FFT is the promo code on SeatGeek. I've used SeatGeek many, many times for Yankees tickets, Giants, Knicks, Hurricanes tickets, all these losers. And when I need tickets, <laughs> the first thing I do is go to the SeatGeek app on my phone. You need to download the app, download SeatGeek, and when it's time to go to an event, you search for the event. SeatGeek does all the work for you. It searches multiple ticket sites, finds the best values, ranks every ticket based on value, saves you time, and saves you money. And our listeners get 20 bucks off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and use the promo code FFT. That's promo code FFT for 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, now it's time for the news and notes. So coaching stuff. Mike Malarkey and Tennessee, they've parted ways. Detroit is expected to hire Matt Patricia as head coach. That's the Patriots defensive coordinator. Pat Shermer. Did you see the picture of him without his beard? That's not really him, is it? Yeah. I thought that it's was a fantastic. joke. He looks like a kid. That was really him? What do you think I sent you? I thought you sent me like somebody else on the Patriots staff that doesn't have a oh, beard. Oh, yeah. Look, look at like... this guy. Yeah, Google Google Matt Patricia. Yeah. Okay, I'll do it right now. It was yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I hope he shaves it. And Pat Shermer might be the front runner for the Giants job. And the Bills fired their offensive coordinator, Rick Dennison, and brought in Brian Dable, who has a truly dreadful history as an offensive coordinator. Oh, God, it's so bad. In four seasons. But two with Cleveland, one with Miami, and one with Kansas City. He has not worked with great talent, but, boy, he's got a bad track record. Uh, so so that's great. What do you think about Patricia to Detroit and probably Shermer to the Giants? Oh, and probably McDaniels to the Colts. Probably McDaniels to the Colts. Where do you want to start? Uh, McDaniels. I don't think he's going to Indianapolis without assurances that Andrew Luck is going to be good to go. Actually, let me, let me jump in. Let's, let's do, let's just talk about Patricia since the others could change. What's the point of wasting our breath when okay. they, they all could change, but that one seems to be the most uh, locked in. Well, the Lions GM came from New England and obviously knew Patricia from his days there. And uh, I'm sure Patricia got a great recommendation from Bill Belichick, and it seems like they're going to try and bring the Patriot way to uh, East Michigan. Yes, wonderful. I, it really matters who is the who is offensive coordinator is, right? Oh, I For think our it's going to be Jim yeah. Bob Cooter. That would be great. They got to find a running back. That that might be all they need on offense. Mm-hmm. That might be it. They get a running back in there, and all of a sudden that team is a monster. Potentially. Yeah, it's a good job. And, yeah, we could talk about the Colts and the Giants when they fill their position. How about the Cardinals' new coach, Jamie? Yeah, the Cardinals have a great new coach, <laughs> according to Adam Azer. Uh, <laughs> oh why, don't you, why don't you tell people who you thought the coach of the Cardinals was? I couldn't believe it, Dave. I could not believe it. I was like, what? <laughs> they hired Kevin Sumlin to be their new head coach? <laughs> All weekend long, I saw the story that the, you know, former Aggies head coach Kevin Sumlin hired by Arizona to be their head coach. Of course, that would be the Arizona Wildcats, not the Arizona Cardinals. I thought it was a very curious decision, but they didn't make it, so less curious. All weekend long. It sounds long. like it's going to be Steve Wilkes. Oh, yeah? Okay. That's an offense that is going to be totally up for grabs now. New quarterback. Might have new outside receivers. Offensive line needs a lot of work. That that's that's one that I'm really intrigued by. They're, I want to see what happens in Arizona. I think they're going to be terrible. I think they're like entering terrible times. Yeah, it's it's a little nerve wracking for David Johnson. 
Right, it is. Yeah, it yeah. really is. Uh, and then some other news. Rex Burkhead expected to play this week. Yes, I said that last week, but this time I mean it. New England right tackle Adrian Waddle left with a knee injury. He does have a chance to play this week. Minnesota safety Andrew Sandejo is doing better after leaving Sunday's game with a concussion. Uh, I forgot about this coaching item. Seattle expected to hire Brian Schottenheimer to be their offensive coordinator. Okay. And they hired Ken Norton to be their defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's old as new again. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it's 2008 all over again. It's another team that the arrow, I don't, I, that's interesting because they do have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But it just seems like they're getting a little bit worse every year, you know? Like they missed the playoffs. Oh, this the, year. The, the beginning of the end started last year, this past season. But they still have a lot the of beginning really good of the players. end of what? Of the Seattle dominant. Yeah, dominant. their defense could be hurting a little. They're going to have to nail another draft. Probably, yeah. That's what I think it'll come down to. Got to fix the offense line. Well, that's part of nailing the draft. It just makes you appreciate how amazing the Patriots are for doing that. It also makes you appreciate how amazing Russell Wilson is. Yeah, but, I, I mean, honestly, if he were Tom Brady, they would have made the playoffs. They would have won the division. They'd be in the Super Bowl. It, yes, agree? No. <laughs> If the Seahawks had Tom Brady, yes. they'd be in the Super Bowl? They'd win the NFC. No. And they'd lose to the Tom Brady-led Patriots in no. the AFC. You don't think so? No. No. Okay. So who does, who is going to win the NFC? Give me qu- quick picks. We'll do another show later this week, but quick picks. Sticking with the Vikings. Oh, it's Minnesota now, yeah. And the, and pa- the Patriots. And the Jags. Too. Obviously the Jags. Do they have a I'll chance? tell you what, man, it's going to be one terrible Super Bowl if it's Jacksonville, Philly. <laughs> if it's New England, Philadelphia, that'd be even worse. New England would kill. That would be worse. Yes, because Jacksonville, be worse. Jacksonville, Philly might be less fun to watch, maybe, but it'll be a closer game. New, I, I, New England I, will kill Philadelphia. I, I think you know it's set. First off, the tie-in between Keenum and Foles is hysterical. If you uh, connect the dots and how it all came together between these two guys, um, but. It, it it it's a fun story, and it's like on one hand you got to be excited for the Vikings and, and Eagles fans, more so the the Vikings because clearly you know Case Keenum I don't know how much of a drop off he is from Sam Bradford, but for the Eagles it's like their team is great, and if they had Wentz I think it'd be a walk through the NFC at this point or it would have been a walk through the NFC, yeah. but to not to to get to this point and they still may win, <laughs> I mean they could beat Minnesota. Uh, they could, yeah, they could. You know what I'm finding uh, pretty, pretty crazy is that I I feel like, no, I don't feel I, this is true. I mean, good offenses are just better than good defenses. You know, you've got like the Saints offense and the Vikings defense, and when the when the chips were on the table, whatever, when it really mattered, the Saints offense produced. And the look at the Steelers Jaguars games. A great offense is going to beat a great defense. You have to have a truly elite defense now to to contain a great offense. Uh, so I would really like to see the Patriots and the Vikings. I'd love to see that matchup. But the Patriots are going to just—they're going to put up forty points on the Jaguars. I, think I don't think they're, they're going to put up forty, but thirty. Yeah, definitely in the third. Twenty-eight, twenty-eight, thirty-one, somewhere in yeah, that range. De- definitely for, twenty-eight. For I'm just going to make a. It's going to be—it's going to be at least fifteen time. catches for the running backs. It's going to be probably six or seven catches for Gronk, and it's going to be seven or eight catches for Amendola. And I wonder, wow. I wonder how good, I wonder how 11. good, yeah, but, but that's what he does. I mean, sometimes right. he's huge games and then, then anytime, he goes five Anytime, anytime you know Brady's getting the ball out of his hands quick, those type of players are going to be heavily, heavily involved. 
I wonder how good the Jaguars' defense is. Have they had one great performance against a great offense this year? Yes, against the Steelers the first time around. Uh, again, that's true, but but nobody, the Steelers weren't doing well against anyone at that point. That was Ben Roethlisberger talking about how he's done. Yeah, but I mean, you can't take that away from them. No, no, no. They're like they are a great defense. They're probably the best defense in the league. But that's the thing. Like offenses are just so much better than defenses now. Uh, so it seems. <laughs> now it's going to be Jacksonville, Minnesota, and the Super Bowl. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> Jack, uh, yeah. You never know. All right, here we go. Questions for the eliminated teams. Can Matt Ryan be great again? Let's start with Atlanta. This is not a political pun or anything, but can Matt Ryan be great again? He was the number 16 quarterback in fantasy this year after being number two last year. What do you think? Explain to me how Julio Jones goes through a whole season with, was it three touchdowns? Three touchdowns. How, how the hell does that happen? <laughs> it was amazing. Like what type of force field that somebody put around Julio so that he it, couldn't score. I mean, it's almost like uh, when when they needed to have the biggest play of their season, they threw it to Julio Jones in the end zone and he couldn't make the play. Maybe you want to tra- practice that throughout the course of the year a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't throw the ball that much. That's one reason why the touchdowns were down. I mean, you can look at Julio's touchdowns. You can also look at Matt Ryan's touchdowns. He had 21. He had 20 this year. He had 38 last year. He had 21 touchdowns in 2015, but you know, he's just not throwing the ball much. Uh, he did have the, the 10th most pass attempts, but still not that many. And that's part of the problem for Matt Ryan, who finishes the season yeah. with, I think, eight yeah eight straight games with zero or one passing touchdown, including the playoffs. Adam, he had six-year lows in pass attempts, pass completions, passing yards, uh, touchdowns. And I'm looking at yards per attempt. No, that was good. Yards nope, per attempt. That good. one wasn't so bad. But he was coming off of an MVP year, as everybody knows. In 2016, he averaged 9.3 yards per attempt. We told you that wasn't going to happen again. He had 38 touchdowns. We told you that wasn't going to happen again. But I didn't think it would fall so far to 4,095 <laughs> yards, barely topping 4,000 yards with only 20 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. That's that. That's a decent amount. It's not necessarily a ton for him. This is a guy who's had a 16 interception season over the course of his career, but I, he just—I I don't know what his passer rating was on deep attempts. I don't know how many deep attempts he had, but it seems to me that Ryan a got conservative. The Falcons in general got conservative, and he missed a lot of throws over the course of the season. I just wonder if what we saw two years ago to last year can happen again. So his first year with Kyle Shanahan was, that was terrible. 2015. And then his second year was the MVP. Right. And so I just wonder if it if he's the type of guy that takes two years to adapt to a system and to fully master it. And so I know there wasn't a lot of changes, you know, from what Sarkeesian said and, you know, what they tried to do, but clearly there were changes. Uh-huh. And so, you know, you still have one of the most dominant receivers in football. I don't think he's going to lose too much in terms of Julio Jones. Uh, declining and, and hopefully, you know, they can find a third option, whether it's, cause Muhammad is, is, is a very capable number two. Um, find a third option. Cause he had a third option last year. It was Taylor Gabriel and Gabriel wasn't a big part of the offense this year. And they had Freeman last year, you know, his catches declined by, uh, I think it was like 15 or, or 20, something like that. Well, that, let um, me, let me give you the numbers on that. That was what I found the most interesting. Julio Jones and Muhammad Sanu. Basically combined, combined for the same amount of yards in 2016 versus 2017. But 
Freeman and Coleman had 267 fewer receiving yards. And I had been saying that all year. I really felt that was what was missing from the offense. They just weren't getting the running backs involved. Because while Gabriel's production did go down, Hooper's went up. It was kind of similar to what Gabriel gave you last year. Um, but it was the running backs, 267 fewer yards. And those guys are really good. Get those playmakers involved. You saw it a little bit more later in the season. It does give me some hope. But, yeah, Freeman, three of his last four games, at least five catches. But I guess if I could sum up my Matt Ryan feelings, it would be this. If he's only going to throw the ball like 370 times, he never he has no rushing yards, no rushing totals. The only quarterbacks that can be great in fantasy with that are usually rushing quarterbacks. With Matt Ryan's 2016 season looking like a huge fluke. The the thing I think you're going to end up with him is he'll be drafted late as a number two quarterback because I don't think anybody's going to have him ranked as a top twelve guy. And so if he if he is, it's you know thirteen fourteen. He'll be in that range. Um, you'll sit on him for a couple weeks during the start of the season if you are inclined to take two quarterbacks. And if he does have that bounce back moment, you know, let's say you, you hold him for four weeks and then three of those four weeks he's over twenty fantasy points. Okay, here we go. Maybe he's back. Rivers or Ryan next year. Rivers. Mm-hmm. Rivers. Okay. All right, question now for the Saints and the Steelers. Same question for each team. Can the Saints and or Steelers have a consistent number two wide receiver emerge next year? The Saints or the Steelers? Yeah. Well, technically, both of them did this year, but it was at running back. Well, that's so it has to be a wide receiver. And, and yeah, Juju was I, I, good. The Steelers for sure. I think they could. Well, but based on what you wrote, Jamie, and your winners and losers column, you're a little skeptical about the word consistent from Juju. I, I'm certainly skeptical of it, but I mean, to, you know, the, to use the word could, yeah. sure. Okay. So, I mean, the Steelers definitely, definitely could, but I would, you know, you'd love to see Martavis not be there or something. The Saints is another question. Matt, Michael Thomas. Had 149 targets. That is the most, probably the most targets for a wide receiver in Saints history, but definitely the most in the Drew Brees era. And that was something that kind of helped get, you know, multiple wide receivers relevant because they spread the ball around more. But it was, it was Kamara and Thomas who really dominated the targets this year. Uh, what, what's your take on the Saints and whether we could, cause, uh, you know, obviously we liked Willie Sneed last year. There were two guys who were really, really good. Who liked Willie Sneed? What a <laughs> joke that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, what, what what do you think, guys? Can we get two good wide receivers out of this team? I think you might be able to get it in New Orleans because that's a team I could see drafting a wide receiver that they think can help stretch the field and make things um, a little harder on defenses, help things out for Michael Thomas. And that, I, don't know. I think Ted that young that receiver guy. could be that guy. Yeah, but I don't know if they were happy with Ginn as that guy. Uh, he's back at two and a half million next year. He's not going anywhere. Okay. Well, then if they don't, they add, they if they don't draft somebody. a receiver, they're, they're, they're not they going to bring back Willie Sneed at this point. They're, there's already talk about them getting rid of Kobe Fleener. So, um, I forget which one of you, maybe as you, Dave said, Jimmy Graham was a possibility. I don't um, know if it, it would be interesting to think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's realistic, but you know, he's a tight end on the market that clearly has a relationship with his team. So if the numbers work out, he can, uh, he, he can go there. They still have to pay Drew Brees. You know, that's going to be a big thing about what their salary cap situation is. And, uh, and we'll see what they do to to probably try and you know add to their defense uh, in the draft, probably in the defensive line and linebacker. Um, hopefully not safety. I hope Marcus Williams can recover from this. Um, 
I, I think you just look at what they, what they need. Um, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to have, you know, the ability to find uh, somebody to have the tandem like they had a year ago with Cooks and, and Thomas, but it's still one of those, uh, one of those situations where, uh, you're right. They, they could add somebody to that, but I think Ted Ginn is, is kind of, is who he is. If they I'm th- add, I'm thinking the answer is no. Right. And if they do add a wide receiver and they get a number two wide receiver who's good, can that person coexist with Kamara? Could Kamara not no. take a step back? Would he, would he have to take a step back in order for that to happen? Or yeah, Thomas, Kamara would take a big step back for that to happen. And that's just a trend that I don't yeah, see. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that he would take a step back because th- there's always been a pass catching running back in this offense that's been. Well, one that gets 80 receptions? No, but he's the best of the guys that they've had. I mean, you know, Reggie Bush was good, but I think Kamara looks the part of being a little bit just because he's bigger and probably a little bit more explosive. Darren Sproles was good, but you know, he's he's a small player. Right. I mean, they could do so many different things with Kamara. So they can do everything. May, maybe Kamara. he's not 80 catches, but I don't see him going below 70. Right. And right. Maybe but if even if you give that number two receiver another 10 catches, and maybe you take 10 catches away from Michael Thomas, but right? how many catches did Ginn have? Number two. How many did Ginn have? I can look it up, but it wasn't that many. Ginn had uh, f- I, I, 53. I'm guess 45. 53 catches. Okay. 787 yards and four touchdowns. He was the number 36 wide receiver in standard, so he was technically a number three receiver. But and not, he had 70 targets. Let's say he go, let, Let's say that guy goes to 90 targets. The number two receiver in New Orleans. Right, but they targets? also, I mean, you know, they they used other guys. It's not like you know Brandon Coleman didn't have some moments. It's not like they you know didn't use. Multiple tight ends because Kobe Fleener was bad. I'll give you one other point. Is Drew Brees the same guy he was a year or two ago? Yes. Without question. We saw it in the playoffs. I think so. We, okay. I do. I really do. I mean, it just, he didn't throw the ball nearly as much. That was the big difference, but his completion percentage, his yards per attempt, I think he set career highs in both of them. He had an, he, un- he, he set the NFL record for completion percentage. Uh, well, there was definitely a career high then. He was, he was great <clears throat> this year, but they kept running the ball into the end zone. He had a very unlucky year with touchdowns. That's going to go up. He's going to be awesome next year. But they do have to throw the ball a little bit more for that to happen. I think he was around 34-ish pass attempts per year. He's usually over four, uh, per game. He's usually he over 40. His, he had his fewest pass attempts since 2005. Yeah, look what he did in the playoffs, though. You know, when they needed him and when they faced great run defense. Yeah, he, he went up he to, against, I was going to say, two great run defense. I think another interesting thing with the Saints is you saw in their two playoff games the usage of the running backs. It was Kamara more so than yeah. Ingram. They they like Kamara more. Yeah. yeah. Oh, clearly. Yeah. But they showed it. Uh huh. You know whether whether they try. I think that Atlanta game where he got hurt was going to be the start of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He came out firing with away to him. Three catches on the first drive. Right. And two carries. Yeah. So. All and right. Concussion. Question for the Titans: Is there still a chance for a Marcus Mariota breakout? One hundred percent. Dave Richard. I'm worried about his health. Yeah, he's always hurt. Got hurt in the Patriots game. Played through it. Mm-hmm. All right, care to expand, Jamie? 100% chance for a breakout? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's not like this. he's hit a ceiling by any stretch. You know, I mean, he's still a guy that's going to run the ball. He's still a guy that has, you know, weapons that are developing. And the biggest thing is going to be who they hire as a, as a coach and a coordinator. You know, so if they bring in the right people to improve Mariota, to improve the, the situation around that offensive line is still very good, if not great. So the pieces are, are starting to get there. And if, if, they're, they're, they're gonna have to be some things that happen. Again, coaching is gonna be important. And the development of Corey Davis and somebody else. You know, I, I think if they can get 
probably one more good year out of Delaney Walker. I don't know if he'll be, you know, a, a top five tight end like he finished in fantasy this year, but just good enough to make Mariota better. John Smith, hopefully being a part of that. You know, I know he's, he's suffered a torn MCL, but that's not going to be something that keeps him out very long. Um, they, they need to upgrade probably the Decker spot because I think Matthews could still be a good number two receiver, if not a number three. And probably finding a, a complimentary pass catcher to Derrick Henry because DeMarco Murray needs to, you, you know, get out of the way for Henry to kind of get to the point where he needs to get to. But, you know, not, not, again, finding an Alvin Kamara is not going to be easy, but finding that type of guy, you know, or, or uh, a lesser version of that type of guy. Okay. Next question. Let's go to team that lost two weeks ago, the Rams. What do we expect from the Rams wide receivers next season? Who's there? I bet it's the same group. Yeah, I'll put all three back. You're, for sure, Cup is going to be there. Woods, Woods contract, it looks like there was something put in there where if he didn't have a good year this year, they could easily cut him, but there's no chance they're going to do it now. He's going to cost them eight million against the cap. He's totally worth it. And there, there's talk that they're going to franchise Sammy. So I think it's all going to stay the same. That line's going to get better. And curious to see what they do at tight end. But other than that, I think, I think it's going to be status quo. They're not going to do anything at tight end. You never know. So, okay, so then how would you rank them? The receivers? Yeah. Woods, Cup, Watkins? Dave? God, they're so interesting. I think I certainly and a lot of other people just have to get over the idea of Sammy Watkins as a capable weekly fantasy option. Why? Because I think the other guys are better suited for it. And the opportunities bear it out. Well, I, I guess my hope for Watkins, and I, pro- I you know, I can make the case of taking him over Cup, is upside. He's a, he's a better player than Cooper Cup. And he didn't have a lot of time in this system, in the offseason. It's a tough situation to go to. So if they bring him back, he has a full offseason. He's the most talented wide receiver on that team. And Woods really showed a lot. Like Woods is good, but they were on the they were on Buffalo at the same time, and Watkins was a lot better. So I don't think that's gone. I don't think that was fluky fluky at all. Uh, that that's well, if my you go back to that him. report, I forget. Maybe it was Greg Cassell who said, in watching golf, he doesn't go all the way through his progressions, and you would hope that that changes. Yes. Um, I I just think that Cup, what he showed as a rookie, he had a couple big drops. Especially in the end zone. If he comes down with those, his numbers look a hell of a lot more impressive. Guess who had the most double digit fantasy point games of the three? Cup. By, by two games. He had now six. Woods, Woods missed, the others Woods had missed four. three, so, or four games, but, so. I, he did. I'll tell you why I don't think it's going to happen for Cup, like, quite like that is I don't see him leading the NFL in red zone targets again. No, but he may lead this team in red zone targets. Well, he had a lot, he had double. This, so he had 26, Gurley had 13, Woods had 12, Watkins had 11. They like him. I yeah, mean, look, and, and his numbers in college are unbelievable. And yeah. what do you do with him if, if you've got Woods and Watkins flanked out and you've got Todd Gurley in the backfield? You're really going to say our number one guy to take away in the red zone is Cooper Cup? That's hard to do. And Cup is 6'3", lining up in the slot. He can line up outside in the red zone, too. Yeah. Like well, I don't, I don't think that role is going to go away for him. Okay, so it's one. There thing might to, be a case to make Cup the number one Rams yeah. receiver. Wow. All right, not, so it's, it's not Watkins. But how high? How early do they go? Do they go before? They're, Juju? they're all number three receivers. Okay. Well, it's interesting because that offense could take another jump next year. That'd be that'd be good value. If one of them is going to hit, that's going to be good value. We just 
I guess it could be a little bit difficult to tell who it's going to be. You can probably draft two of them before the end of round seven. Let me ask you a question about the Chiefs. Is there any Kareem Hunt bust potential next season? I mean, the way you're phrasing it, then the answer is yes. All right, how you likely is it that, that there's plenty of bust potential for anybody in the National Football League next season? Okay, we're going to start this one over. Let me ask you a question about the Chiefs. What do you think the chances are that Kareem Hunt is a bust next season? 10%. I think he's, I think he proved that he's a good, versatile, heavy workload running back. And I think that offensive line has a chance to get a little bit better this offseason. And I think he's going to continue to be great for fantasy. The, the, the concern would be is that there, there's a change in how the offense, offensive approaches with Mahomes. Right, right. No, that's a big deal. I mean, yeah. I, I can't, can't just assume he's going to be great. Uh, but I, be I, some befuddling weeks. I mean, Mahomes. I can't, I can't imagine though that it's, you know, get away from what Andy Reid does because he's had different quarterbacks throughout his tenure and he's managed to make them work for the most part. I, I just would uh, expect to see the the pass catching stay and the running is not really going to change dramatically. Okay, here's a question about the Bills. I just wonder what they do with Spencer Ware, though. Here's a question about the Bills. Does LaShawn McCoy have another good year in him? Yes. Good year. Who are you liking more right now, McCoy or Blunt? McCoy or Blunt? Uh, or Ajayi? Oh, McCoy. Yeah. Unless they add somebody, but as of now, McCoy. I, but I bet they do add somebody. But definitely Blunt over, Blunt's a first round pick next year, right? Look, I mean, it, it comes down to Gurley or Blunt. <laughs> <laughs> Gurley or Blunt, yeah, exactly. Uh, Spencer, we're still under contract for them next yes, year. So. Yes. And at a good cheap price. So he'll be given a chance to earn a role. And finally, for Carolina. Is Christian McCaffrey going to be a consistent running back in standard scoring leagues? I love North Turner coming aboard there for Christian McCaffrey. If can they you, just can can they uh take away John Stewart? Sure could be a cap casualty. But the thing is, is that if they get rid of Stewart, there's gonna be somebody else there. I don't think Christian McCaffrey will be think think about all the great running backs that Norv has had, Ladanian Emmett, all those guys. I don't think he'll be like that, but I think he is locked and loaded into this pass-catching role. And he should see an uptick in carries, too. So I'm, I am very excited and very optimistic about McCaffrey next year. McCaffrey was 17th in standard, 10th in PPR at running back with 117 carries, 80 catches. I mean, the second half was much better. Yeah. Uh, well, we'd like, we'd like to see some, we'd like to see, uh, 180 carries? That'd be nice. I, I bet he'll fall under that. He'll probably be right around an average of 10 a game. The only guy who was better than him with fewer carries was Duke Johnson. Really? What was Chris Thompson on a per-game average? Probably would have been better. Yeah, he probably would have been better. Um, but that's where the league is going. It's the Pete well, Prisco it's been going there for years. Right, but I think they really get... Going that way. Now. The hope would be is that he can be closer to what Camara was. Now, they were very similar in terms of their receiving prowess. McCaffrey was 80 for 651 and 5, so he averaged 8.1 yards per catch. So he wasn't as good as Camara, no. who was 81 for 826 and 5, but that's at least a comparison Camara's to a look at. Rusher. I'm just talking about their receiving ability. And then Camara averaged 6.1 yards per carry on 120 attempts. 
McCaffrey was at 3.7. So McCaffrey needs to be probably a yard per bet, a yard per carry better to take that next leap because I don't see his receiving numbers changing dramatically. He's not going to be a, a 100 catch guy, a 90 catch guy. He'll be in the 80s again. I would love to be able to do this research because you say they're moving into airbacks and whatnot. It's definitely true, but I wonder at the same time, is it also true that that the NFL is going to become more of a running league, finally, after years and years of being a passing league. It does seem like these teams are fine having a bell cow running back. Um, when they get one, yeah. And they're well, more I mean, willing you, you to, look, you look to draft. That, that's always been the case, even in the last five years Yeah, or but so. no, I, I think that I think when you look at the NFL draft, they're more willing to take running backs in the first Oh, the, the, la, the last three teams seen. that drafted running backs first this year were very successful, or the last two years were very successful in the playoffs. Uh, who would that be? We go back to Gurley three years ago. Uh-huh. You, you see the dividends that it's paid. Ezekiel Elliott last year led them to you know number one seed in the NFC. Right. And then this year, Fournette. Fournette. Yeah, they're, they're drafting some great players. I like it. I, mean, I love it. I, I think. I mean, Melvin great. Gordon was a top twelve pick. Mm-hmm. You see the success that he's had for the Chargers. Yeah. Right, I think cool. any team that gets a running back who's who can play in a versatile role and physical, they'll they'll use him in that every down role. Yeah, now the counter to that will be, well, we got Alvin Kamara in the third round, and look what he's done for our team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there, there will And David Johnson that. as well. All right, so some emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. This one could take all show, but we're going to do it in, you know, a minute or so, a minute to two. Uh, this is from Rob, and where's Rob from? Rob is from Yuma, Arizona. And he says, Dear Ed, Jeff, John, and Tony. Ed, Jeff, John, and Tony. Oh, yeah, no idea. Question. Those are people. Yeah, I'll give you the free agent and two possible landing spots. You tell me the best fantasy spot. Jimmy Graham, Houston or Green Bay? Green Bay. Houston. Sammy Watkins, Pittsburgh or San Francisco? San Francisco. Yeah, absolutely San Francisco. Carlos Hyde, Indianapolis or the Giants? Indianapolis. Yeah. I'll say Indianapolis too. Jarvis Landry, Carolina or Kansas City? Ooh. Um, Carolina. Mm, I'll say Kansas City. Can you imagine Cam with a guy like that? Yeah. He's got no accuracy. He's such an inaccurate, he's an inaccurate quarterback. Like, really? I think on, what type of route does Jarvis Landry have? The accuracy of Ryan Tannehill and Jay Cutler is so impeccable. It's almost, everybody's better than Cam Newton. It doesn't matter. Jarvis Landry's running 15 yard routes. (laughs) Seven yards down the line, uh, away from the line of scrimmage will be fine. No, that's not Cam's strength. This is what I said when they drafted Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. I said, I don't think Cam Newton is the right quarterback for this type of offense. He doesn't throw short stuff. He needs time in the pocket. He needs to air it out. That's when he's at his best. Well, who led all running backs and targets? Yeah, I, I don't mean, think he's going to either of these teams. All right, fine. I think we're spinning our wheels on Trey Burton, Miami or Baltimore? Miami. Yeah, Baltimore's not going to take a, another tight end. Isaiah Crowell, Tampa Bay or Seattle? Um, can you take the Browns offensive line with them to Seattle? <laughs> yeah, well, no, you have to choose Tampa Bay or Seattle. I think Seattle. Yeah. Seattle? Alright. But he'd have to beat out Carson for Who that job. Heck are Ed, Jeff, John, and Tony? Ugh. Alright. From J Mac. Referees? Ed Hockley, Tony Corrente. Jeff Triplett. Jeff Triplett. 
Jeff Triplett. John McEnroe. <laughs> this is from J-Mac. Hey, Mike, Otis, and Wilbur. Are you serious with that false start? <laughs> Who the hell are Mike, Otis, and Wilbur? Chicago Bears linebackers. Oh, okay. Singletary. Thank you, Dave. Otis Wilson, Wilbur Marshall. And I, as a kid, I hated it when Wilbur Marshall went to the Redskins. Oh, terrible. 12-team league with 18 rounds, one keeper. Todd Gurley in the second round, Hopkins yes. in the fourth round, Kamara yes. in the ninth round. Yes. <laughs> uh, he has a, he made this question very confusing, so I don't know that we're answering your question because there's more to it than that, but we're just going to answer that. He wants to know which one guy to keep from those three. That's what it seems like, but then after that he writes some something that makes no sense. So Gurley in the second, Hopkins in the fourth, or Kamara in the ninth? Kamara in the ninth. Yeah. Best value. All right, Petey from Slower Lower Delaware. Hey, Randall, Donovan, and Carson. I know them. Eagles quarterbacks. 12-team, two-quarterback dynasty league. I need to upgrade at quarterback. I was offered Matt Ryan, Devin Funchess, and my choice of P. Ryan, Tevin Coleman, or Alex Collins for Fournette. So give up Fournette, get Matt Ryan, Devin Funchess, and let's say Alex Collins. Would you do it? Yes. I wouldn't. Jamie, you can't do that. Yeah. Really? You can if you want, but. Okay. Definitely giving up the best player. Right. Sometimes you get dead. Those dynasty leagues are tough, man. They're just like no free it's agents. It's impossible to trade. No, it's tough. So I understand you have to over, you have to overpay for the quarterback. I just wish it were better than Matt Ryan. Adam, we're going to have to make some tough decisions on our roster though. Good luck. You won, right? Yeah. yeah we won. So I trust you. All right. This is from <laughs> Taylor. Taylor's from where? Um, faster upper Delaware. <laughs> hey, pea lover, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. I do love peas. Love, love them dearly. Is squash really a fruit? No. Like, why did Heath say that? <laughs> He's just trying to be controversial. I play in a 12-team PPR keeper league where you can keep two players in the round prior to where they were drafted or can do, and can do so for up to four seasons. So I drafted Kamara in the 14th round this year. I'm set up with what seems to be great long-term value. But I was recently presented an offer of two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick in this upcoming draft for Alvin Kamara. Yes. You'd do that trade? In a heartbeat. I, I guess the question is, though, like, who are the first-round picks? If everybody's keeping two players, does that mean that— Right, you're, then you're basically theoretically the, the top 24 players are off the board. One is Saquon Barkley. But can you keep him for four years with a first round pick? I don't know, but you're you're giving yourself the chance to win right away. What what do you what's the rule with a player that's taken in the first round? Yeah, that's the thing. It's, you don't want to keep him. Business rule. You can keep him in the round prior. That's to too much value. Right. You have to make that trade. Okay, Dave. What do you say? I don't think you have to make it at all. Also, kind of bad news for fantasy owners. Bryce Love, Stanford running back, returning for his senior season. Ah, he's so good. We could have. All right, we can wait one more year. All right, fine, Dave. I'll be patient. Don't get hurt. For Dave, for Jamie, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you later this week. Take it easy, everybody. Bye.